0: So let's turn to Galatians, either uh, you have the the passage itself printed out in the order of service or in your Bible or on your phone. We will look at one or two other little bits of Galatians, so if you have Galatians as a whole available, that might be handy. If not, that's okay. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Paul, an apostle, not From men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. May God help us to receive his word. Um, imagine if Rupert had said, uh, stood up this morning and said, Welcome to Edinburgh North Church. If we could have those who have been Christians for uh, five years or longer on this side of the room, and those who have been Christians for less than five years on this side of the room, that would be perfect. Thank you. Or those who have been fully immersed in baptism over here, and those who were immer- uh, baptized as infants over here. Uh, could you please sit at the front, in the front two rows, if you've ever served the gospel overseas, and sit at the back if you haven't? I mean, it's so crass to even think of it, it's toe curlingly embarrassing. To imagine such a scenario and yet that is the kind of issue that Galatians is in our New Testaments for I think it's a good idea always to have in your mind a, a, a mental list or a, a category for each book of the Bible you could if you were Um, adventurous in your family, put 66 bits of A4 up on the wall somewhere and have a growing kind of library for your family as you understand the Bible each single book at a time. What is Genesis about? What's it for? Why has God given us it? And you might put beginnings or God's creative power or something. What would you write on the bit of A4 on the Galatians bit of paper? Where does your brain go, if anywhere, when you think of Galatians? What's it about? Why did Paul write this letter? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire it to be part of God's Word to us? In a word, if I had to choose one single word for the bit of A4 about Galatians, I would write the word elitism. Galatians is here in Scripture because elitism Was creeping in to the Galatian churches and Paul writes the letter to make it absolutely clear that what is going on in these churches full of young life and new Christian believers is the absolute antithesis of what the gospel proclaims it's the opposite of the gospel Galatians as a whole, says if you have been accepted by God through the gospel, then you can then accept one another. Church life is, in essence, as simple as that. God has accepted you, God has accepted me in Jesus. Therefore, we accept one another. No exceptions. That is. That is it. That is Christian living. That is church life. So elitism was spreading like a virus, and it's seen in, in some very odd behavior. Not, as I was imagining at the beginning there a few minutes ago, um, someone welcoming people to a service and separating them out, but turn to chapter 2, or listen to these words if you don't have chapter 2 available, verses 11 to 14. What exactly was going on in this church? When This is Paul uh, saying, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, the Apostle James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. He sat beside them and ate with them, but when the people from James arrived from Jerusalem, the important people, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. Do you see what was happening? When the important people weren't around, Peter was quite happy to eat and be with the Gentile believers, but as soon as the bigwigs from Jerusalem came near, he distanced himself and wanted to be seen as separate from them, better than them, because he wanted to impress the important people, the Jerusalem apostles. He wanted to uh, be seen by them, to be reaching the grade and they were full of flattery towards such people. And Paul is is just angry, upset, but more importantly, willing to tackle that kind of thing head on, publicly, exposing it for what it is. Everyone was being affected, even Barnabas you can hear it in his voice. If this kind of hypocritical, two-tier Christianity can affect Barnabas, then anyone can be sucked into this world of flattery and one-upmanship. Flattery, coercion, divisions in the church, an inner ring. where well, all, We're all believers, but some are more important than others. That kind of uh, feeling. Access to an advanced group, we're all in the church, but oh, some of us know the apostles from Jerusalem. Those are the, the um, emotions and thoughts that are running around the Galatian church. It may sound bizarre and kind of irrelevant in some ways, but it's, it's a virus that can come into the hearts of any Christian group sometimes in pretty obvious and I feel at one level when it's at its most obvious it almost becomes hilarious I remember in 1988 uh, it would have been going to visit a brethren church with a student friend who had uh, been going to this church in Dundee where we were studying I'd never been in a brethren church I'd never heard of a brethren church I didn't know what brethren church was and we went in and my friend said now they may not let you sit uh, forwards with the rest of us, and they may not let you take communion when they share bread and wine. I thought, Ooh, why, why ever not? Well, you, I said, why not? He said, Well, I don't have a letter for you from a church where you're a member. And I thought, well, I don't really mind sit where I like it. I don't mind if I sit at the back or sit at the front. it Doesn't really matter. So I went in, and uh, as it happened. No issue was made of it. We were allowed in. But the fact that he had to say that to me was an awakening for me that there's a whole world here of thought about who are the true Christians and who are the not so Christian Christians. I'd never come across such a thing in my life. And, and yet that was happening all over the place in similar uh, gospel hearted, Jesus loving, Bible teaching. Christian churches. Who would have thought it? Certainly not me. But that's, again, the the more crass, the more obvious kind of example. Let's turn then to chapter 1 and delve in and just see what Paul is saying here as he begins his letter. It is a very unusual introduction. All of Paul's letters in the New Testament begin with, we thank God for you, the believers in Thessalonica or Corinth or Ephesus. We're encouraged to hear about your progress in the faith. We're delighted uh, to be in fellowship with you. You pray for us. We pray for you. We value you more than words can say. That's, that's a typical kind of flavor of a Paul letter as he begins. But here, nothing No words of thanksgiving for the Galatians. Nothing about what he's encouraged by in their church. No word of gratitude to God for their progress. Not a syllable about his fellowship with them. Just mere factual statement. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men not from human beings i'm not here representing any group nor by any particular man i'm not the ambassador of any particular apostle or high-flying authority just paul an apostle sent by jesus christ himself and god who raised jesus from the dead now, you see now, don't you, why he begins like that. He's, he's wanting to make it absolutely clear to them, I'm not representing a party. As I write this letter to you, do not think that I, I, I'm either from this group or that group, or from Jerusalem or anywhere else. I am simply sent by Christ himself, and I'm writing with all the authority that that means. He doesn't want to be accused of flattery. He's not trying to get in with any particular group or person in the Galatian church. He wants it to be known right up front. This is God speaking to you through me, his apostle. So, That's as relevant to any human being in the church as any other. I'm not not partisan. I'm not being elitist. It's just the Word of God through Christ, through his apostle. Then he goes on, doesn't he? And very quickly, the, the second little bit of introduction is a wonderful thing. He goes straight to the heart of the gospel, I'm writing to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the gospel in a sentence. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that a lovely summary of the gospel? Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. In, in the shortest number of words you could almost manage, Paul says, I'm here from Christ and the only greeting I bring you is because Christ died on the cross for us to rescue us from the dark world that we live in. The cross is central that's, that's what we're about, he says. Jesus died for us and our sins. And that's our hope in the present evil age. That, he's wanting to say to them right at the beginning, that's what unites us, that's where we belong. That's who we are. People who are forgiven because Jesus died. Our sins have gone and a rescue has taken place. Now in Galatians, as you read through the letter, and as you may know, in particular, when Paul says the present evil age, what is he referring to, do you think, in Galatians? He's uh, referring to, in Galatians, he's referring to the religious world. That is what believers are being rescued from the religious world and the Galatian believers were being tempted away from Jesus back into a world of religious, uh, legal, law-bound living. It's a slightly complicated issue in the New Testament because obviously for the Old Testament people of God, God gave Moses and the law and the people of Israel's life to bring them to Jesus. And the whole point of the Old Testament, Moses, the law, the Ten Commandments, the way of life that the nation of Israel had, the whole point of that was to keep the people of God separate until Jesus came to be their Savior. And here, after Jesus has come, these people are wanting to go back to Moses and the law, and so they're wanting to just recreate a religious world in which to live. But Moses and the law has already fulfilled its place in history. We have Jesus, and Paul is saying to the, to the, to the Galatians, don't go back to the, the world of Moses and the law. Stay with Jesus, And it doesn't matter if it's Moses and the law or any other religious expression of worship. If you don't have Jesus and his cross at the heart of everything, then you are going to end up enslaved. Think of what happens in history throughout the history of the Christian church. Think of what happens in a similar way to the Galatians being tempted to recreate the Mosaic law. Think of the um, elitism that is found in different areas of the Christian church. Just examples, but real examples. If any child uh, was brought into our fellowship and the family was a believing family, If the child had been baptized with water in the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we would not re-baptize that child. We would recognize the baptism of any other church. Not so if you go into the Roman Catholic Church, interestingly. They would not recognize any other baptism other than Roman Catholic baptism. It's interesting, isn't it? It's elitist. That's elitism. There's just an example of it. I'm not getting at the Roman Catholic Church in particular. We can all be elitist, but that's an example of them being elitist. Think of some of the, the evangelical churches where unless you are suitably and truly and genuinely and demonstrably reformed with a capital R, we won't accept you as being legitimate. You have to be able to sign up to all five points of Calvinism. You have to be able to... Uh, quote and know certain creeds and certain expressions of the gospel, otherwise you're not truly reformed. It's the same thing, it's elitism. There's Christians and then there's us, we who are a bit better than everybody else. You get exactly the same thing at the more extreme end of the charismatic spectrum of churches, where unless you have A second experience of the Holy Spirit and unless you have gifts of the Holy Spirit then you're probably not enjoying all that God wants to give you it's elitism you get the same thing in denominations where unless you use the particular words of a particular prayer book then you're not worshiping in the right way it's elitism you're you're setting up a second a higher tier In God's church where Jesus died for all his people to redeem them and then we say as human beings to Jesus who shed his blood for his people we say oh but this group is better than the rest it's a terrible thing and yet it happens all the time and that's why Galatians is in our Bibles and one of the things we have to learn is to constantly say as Christians, go back to the cross and go back to your beginnings as a Christian. Look at the the main little bit of text that we read. He says, you're deserting Jesus, you're deserting God who called you by the grace of Christ, you're turning to a different gospel, it's no gospel at all, you're being thrown into confusion by the elitists. And then we have this interesting thing, verse eight, and verse 9 which is virtually the same thing twice did you notice that verse 8 says even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you let him be accursed well that's clear enough that's strong isn't it but then verse 9 he says the same thing again as we've said before he even says he's saying the same thing again as we've said before so now i say again just in case you missed it if anyone is preaching you to a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. It's a repeat, but it's a repeat with a slight difference. Did you notice the difference? Can you spot it? If we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received... You see what he's saying? What we preach to you in Galatia is what you received. What we told you about Jesus is what you believed. That's how it all began for you Galatians. And you know that. So he's saying to them, go back to your beginnings. Go back to when you believed the gospel and came to know the Lord Jesus yourself. And that's where to stay. What I preached is what you believed, says Paul. So don't go wandering off to any other kind of gospel. Go back to your beginnings. Whenever, however, faith in Jesus began for you, If God accepted you through the blood of Jesus into his family, then that is where you belong. And the God who led you to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to stay right there with that gospel, believing nothing else, And never imagining that you need to aspire to anything higher than belonging to Christ. For Paul, his religion is Jesus Christ. Not a code, not a group, not a hierarchy. He doesn't live in a religious world, he lives with and for the risen Savior. Look at just the last little bit of the passage, verse uh, 10 and 11. He says it to himself, Who am I seeking to approve? You, You assess it for yourselves. Am I seeking to approve men or God? You judge for yourselves as you read my letter. He says, If I was still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Paul knew, didn't he, from lifelong personal experience, what it was like to live as the elite the elitist of all the elites. He knew what it was to be doing the right thing, following the right rules, impressing the right people, being flattered by the right people. He knew what a life of flattery looked like. He actually goes on in Galatians in in, uh, the rest of chapter 1 and chapter 2 to describe something of his past life for them and he's saying to them, you know perfectly well that I have been taken away from a world of religious flattery to a world of following the Lord Jesus, and that's it. You know that, so don't think I'm trying to flatter you. If I'd wanted to remain a flatterer, I'd have stayed where I was. There's a believer in one of our sister churches in Stirling. Cornerstone Church in Stirling who used to be a bishop in the Church of Mormon the Mormons and he's come to Christ and belongs to the Christian family and he's been set free from a a religious uh, world of legalism slavery and he sees increasingly all the kind of flattery and hierarchy and rule-keeping and the way that as mormons they kept hold of people and he's been set free and the church there have the the joy of seeing him begin to to flourish and grow and realize just what a terrible place it was and to, to see that to see A captive set free is a wonderful thing. To see an animal put back into its natural habitat and able to go and live as it was meant to live, to see the bird fly out of the net and up into the sky and sit on a tree and to be where it was meant to be is a wonderful thing. And Paul's letter to the Galatians sounds so direct, and so critical, and so hard-hitting, because what they are doing is they are placing the net over themselves, and they are putting themselves in a prison because they've been flattered by some bigwigs. And they've begun to divide the church and create a ladder to climb. And Paul says, Get rid of those chains and that net and live as you were meant to live, free, for your Savior, who's forgiven you. Back to your beginnings. Don't ever lose that, he says. And you can read the letter to see how it goes on from there. But it's a wonderful thing to remind ourselves of our true freedom in Jesus Christ this morning.